Welcome to another episode of Inside the Recording Studio. I am Jody Whitesides, and with me as always is Mr. Chris Hellstrom. How are you today, sir? I am doing very well, thank you. How about yourself? I'm doing all right as well. Not going to well, complain. Isn't, isn't that nice and groovy? Yes. I dig it. Should we just jump right in? Jump, 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 jump. A few episodes ago, we talked about modulation effects, specifically chorusing. That we did. Today, we thought we'd... Up the ante? Well, I was going to go with round off the subject, but okay. <laughs> talking about flanders, and, and we're going to touch on phases as well, because I think they're very much... They're very com similar. Combined at the hip, as it were. Almost so, like Siamese uh, twins, but not... Yeah, I, I got nothing funny to say to that, so <laughs> I'm just going to continue with uh, the podcast. But I, I suppose a little bit of a back history might be in order. Do it. This is a little bit fuzzy on the details, and, and different people get different credits for it. But uh, as with so many other things, Les Paul had a hand in this as well, what he would in the 40s and 50s would experiment with acetate pressings. What did he Are not experiment with? I, jeez, right? Yeah, what what a guy he was. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. So he would have these two acetate pressings running at slightly different speeds to to kind of create this effect. It wasn't talked about as flanging at that point. It was just trying to make something sound different or bigger, I guess, or weird. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a good word because the first hit that had flanging on it in this case was uh, Tony Fisher and her song, The Big Hurt. Yes. And, and this was in 1959. If you're a listener and you want to hear what this effect sounded like, you can go find it on Spotify or Apple Music. It's out on the streaming services. You don't have to go and find an original acetate pressing. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. I will make a recommendation before you go listen to this. And that is... Set your setup to mono. Otherwise, listening to this song in stereo might cause your skin to crawl. And I have a feeling that it's a technical remix that they did when they put it out for streaming. I could be, I, well, I'm probably not right about that, but listening to it in stereo made my skin crawl. Ugh. Yeah, it's a bit of a challenge. You can almost challenge yourself. Like if you make it through the entirety of the song, well, Pat yourself on the back because send us an email. Let me know, and I'll give you a gold star just for that. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's uh, that, yeah, it's a challenge, shall we say? With the fuzzy details here, also Abbey Road. Also, what were they not involved in coming up with? Like a gentleman called Ken Townsend was doing a lot more to this effect as well. And there's a big correlation there with the Beatles with. John Lennon and George Martin, how John liked to double track his voice. Yep. And he was asking for a way to do that automatically where he wouldn't have to, to overdub it and do it again. Mm. Uh, ADT, right? Automatic Lazy double track. Bastard. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, they had this technique where they came up with it and they actually coined the term flanging mm. to this effect. I wonder what A little bit fuzzy on. there as well, but you can hear that. <laughs> you know, a lot on, on Revolver, mm. for example, like on that album, that right. it's all over that. It has that effect. The uh, last thing on the, on the history here is the first stereo flanging was ever recorded was Eddie Kramer with Jimi Hendrix. 
and that's in the uh, outro section of Acts as Bold as Love. Yes, and, and that goes, doesn't make your skin crawl. No. There's a giant difference from somebody taking something that was mono and trying to stereoize it. Oh, just don't. <laughs> That's my well, thing. today we don't have to. No, so. we don't have to. But when you're taking old mono recordings and doing that and then adding some effect to make it seem stereo, ugh, it just makes my skin crawl. Anyway, moving on. Yeah. How do flangers actually work? I have no idea. No, actually, I do. I do. Yeah. I do. Well, well, go ahead, Jody. Just tell us how uh, flangers work. Well, much like a chorus effect, it takes a copy of the signal and then it delays the signal, but it's much shorter than actual chorusing. These delay times in terms of flange are very minute, like maximum roughly of about 10 milliseconds. It's very small. Yeah, that is And small. the idea of doing that causes not so much pitch changes, but instead what engineers would refer to as comb filtering, which gives it sort of this metallic swooshing sound as it's yeah. mutating through the audio is a good way of saying it. And the reason why it's mutating is because there are, if you ever look at sound waves, points where the sound waves are starting to interact with each other and cancel each other out. And that's what's actually really causing the comb filtering and the change in the sound. Yeah. You know, we don't necessarily need to know why or how it the works. The nitty gritty? Sure we do. Well, <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are into that kind of stuff as we are. So that's what's happening. That can give you also a little bit better idea of what all the controls are actually doing when you're working the unit, right? So you sure. know what you're kind of affecting. When we talked about chorus, I think we sort of only half jokingly said that it's like the sound of the 80s. Right. Right. To me, I'm just going to half joke. <laughs> to me, this is like the sound of the 70s because yes. I don't necessarily associate this all the way back to, you know, the- The 50s? The less, yeah, the less Paul <laughs> experiments, right? Although a little bit of like 60s, sort of like psychedelia. I think it's very much like the sound of the 70s. I don't know. It's very psychedelic in its sound, so that, that's why I don't think of it. Okay, so I mentioned controls there, and you know, common controls. These might be called different things on, on different units, but you have the delay, yep. right? Like you said, that would go up to about ten milliseconds at its maximum. It could be less, of course, but the longer the delay, the more drastic the effect. I would say. We then have the normal controls, if you will, for modulation, right? But we have the depth. Mm -hmm. And again, how obvious this effect is going to be, how wide this flanging is going to be. And, of course, the rate, which is how fast this, this modulation is happening, right? For me, when I'm using this, I find that actually at slower rates, it could be more obvious. Because okay. you really start to hear that kind of whooshing. To me, that, that's the way it kind of sounds best. The one thing that flanger has... Also, that the coursing doesn't really have is that it often has like a feedback control. Right. So you can where, feed this noise right back into itself. Yeah, to get even more extreme results of modulation, I suppose. <laughs> Do you use a lot of flanging in your work? I wouldn't say I use it a lot. I've used it yeah. in various formats or various ways. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away... I used to use various 
amounts of flange or phasing on certain stereo sides of my guitar rack to mm, kind yeah. of fatten out the sound. I didn't use it in a stereo capacity. I'd put it on one side or the other. I know that in listening to old versions of things that I did back then, I did it just to create width and depth and other weird things just to have people go, oh, if they listened. <laughs> they could yeah. Go, oh, hey, I've never heard that before. It's tucked in there. It wasn't like I was using it drastically. And at other times, I've actually run entire mixes through a flanger. Like Tony in, Fisher. Uh, sort of, <laughs> yeah, but not quite the same way. <laughs> in an attempt to get like a weird swoosh in the sound as an effect, and then you take it right back out after you've done it. So I've used it, but very sparingly most of the time is a good way of yeah. saying it. It's not my bread and butter. No, I'm, I'm the same way. I, I think of it very much like a special effect little bits and pieces that can grab you. Coming from a guitar player background, it's very easy to think of it as a guitar effect, right? When sure. We're coming in and out. I think it's actually a really cool thing on drums or percussion as mm -hmm. well. The first time I heard this without knowing what the heck it was, and I think it's flanging, in um, Peter Chris's. I think it's part of the, his solo on Alive One. Okay. Or it might be like the song 100,000 Years, whatever. There, there's some. And there's flanging going on on the whole drum kit. It has this like big whooshing sound. I think it's a flanger. When I heard that, I was like, ooh, that sounds cool. So that's something that's kind of stuck with me. And I relatively recently did a mix where I kind of treated it like you were describing, just like you're coming in and out with mm -hmm. something. I used it on a drum fill, going from section to section, and then just kind of popping out. And to me, it's just like still living in the back of my mind how th cool I thought it was my Peter <laughs> Chris thing. You know, I was like, oh, that's cool. That, that's a little bit unusual. But it's not something that I do on you know, in every mixer. It's very rare they actually do it. But it is a cool thing every once in a while, right? It's like that extra spice that you have in your spice rack that you don't use every day, but every once in a while it can work. Yeah, I suppose if you use it too much, it becomes bland. <laughs> yeah, I, I know where your where your motive. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you on that because if you, if you use something that is unusual all the time, it's no longer unusual, is it? So it just becomes your everyday thing. But um, Exactly. Yeah. But I think of this more of a guitar thing as a whole, like I said before. And some examples I could think of Richie Blackmore, Rainbow. There's a song on the album Long Live Rock and Roll. It's mm -hmm. called The Shed. The intro to that is, I think that's flanged. It can be cool for that as well. And then there's... Um, Another one here that could be a flanger, could be a phaser. I'm not mm. sure. The jury's out on this one, I think. Lenny Kravitz's Are You Gonna Go My Way? The bridge section before the, sto the solo starts. Sort of. It is the little guitar breakdown before he goes back into just shredding. <laughs> right. Sense. And you've got that chord progression that it's being played. That's going through either a phaser or a flanger. So it's... Yeah. Yeah. But it has that, and of course, it's perfect That's for a guy like sound. Yeah, who's for, trying uh, to mimic the '70s, as you say. 
Yeah, exactly. And that's such a Lenny thing to me, right? Mm -hmm. At least at that point in his career. Yeah. It was, everything was analog gear and we were doing this and that. So the reason I'm not sure if it's a flanger, because it sounds like a flanger to me. Yeah. But I just saw a video of his live rig. And in his live rig, he actually has an Eddie Van Halen Phase 90 pedal in his rack. Dun, dun, so dun. the mystery is thickening. And since we have mysteries abound right now, let's find out who our sponsor is for this particular podcast right now. We'll be right back. And we're back. We're going to unveil a little bit of mystery here of how we might go about using it other than the examples we just gave. Kick one off. Percussion. I like percussion. <laughs> I know, but that's my first go-to where I like to add any time where I want a little bit of movement mm -hmm. right, to something, just to have a little bit of a thickening effect in not being like so obvious right? Like to get that swirly thing. That, that's something that I do. And of course, every once in a while in guitars, again, the example I gave is there any, any special thing that you do that might be a little bit off the beaten path? Because I have a feeling you're a little bit more experimental with some of these things than I might be. So, Yeah, I can think of a demo that I did once a bunch of years ago. Pray tell. Where I, t as I mentioned, taking the mix and running it through. But I did it only in a certain section, almost like you were talking about with your drums, where you ran a fill through it just to get mm -hmm. some spatial quality to it. Yeah. I did this more or less to transition from coming in almost like an alien world into crystal clear audio. So I had a track of the stereo mix that was being affected by flange, and I had a track of the stereo mix that was not. And then taking the flanged version of the stereo mix and fading it out as the clear still clear version fades in. Sort of like transitioning like how some people do in their mixes going from AM radio sounding shit to crystal clear quality audio kind of thing. That's cool. I've done it on background vocals as well when it's a bit of work to get somebody who can't sing very well but wants to sing backing vocals, you can get them relatively <laughs> close, and then you flange the shit out of it and kind of double that, and you get yourself a little bit bigger vocal sounding out of something. So there's ways to hide or mask the inconsistencies of what vocalists can do. And maybe that, I'd, no, I'm not even going to go there. Stop. <laughs> Bite your tongue, That's sir. right, biting my tongue. Now, as in the concept of the quote-unquote PhD things that I've done in mixes in parallel, I've used things like phase and flange to enhance the girth of a lead vocal, but not in the aspect of taking the lead vocal and literally running it through a phaser to double it but instead layering it in underneath. Those are things I've done. Now, I don't do them on the day-to-day -day type of thing. Mm -hmm. I do them on the, hmm, this feels like it needs something slightly out there. I will do it that way. And that's what I mean by slightly is I'm sprinkling that in. I'm not overbearing. It's yeah. very much if I think about flange or even the possibility of using phaser, I hark back to the idea as a 
young guitar player learning guitar and listening to things like Axis, Bold as Love. That just feels so, it's an alien encounter. That's <laughs> yeah. what I would call it. And that's the idea that has been kind of burned into my brain. Now, that being said, I also seem to recall, is it Dream Warriors that Dawkin the did Dawkin? back in the 80s that had uh-huh. Flange in there, I feel like? Or maybe they ran the stereo mix through Flange and that might have been where I got the idea. That could be, yeah. That that could be. But I, that's an idea that I think I probably want to try mm. that you said where you're instead of you know going through like a lo-fi kind of version of the mix and then sort of opening it up yeah having it being really flanged that's cool i'm gonna have to experiment with that because i think that sounds like a really cool thing i'm also reminded of sort of like the break thing here as we're taught you're describing where i watched tom lord algae do a mix and i think it was like some 41. The, the artist doesn't matter, but he was doing this and, and he was going to have a break and he wanted it to sort of ramp up to the effect. So it was the, the swoosh was at his apex for want of a better phrase. Right. Right. But instead of controlling that with a flanger, mm. I think he used even tides precision time align. So he's forcing it, it by just doing what a, Flanger would actually do by changing the time frame. Yeah, so he duplicated the track, mm-hmm. used a precision time align, and because of it's trying to match up everything that's going on with, with the timing line, he automated that so that he could control exactly when it was going to be at zero. Wow, fuel. that's some PhD thinking right there. And yeah. the reason why I say that is the precision time align is that is a sample delay and what's even crazier is they have a fine tooth knob on that so it doesn't go just by samples it goes by fractions of a sample that's yeah, nuts I, I still don't understand how they do that but no i don't either i mean really, it's really, really good. bizarre yeah. so that that's a you know a cool effect so i like the, the mix thing that you said that. i'm gonna have to try that well it uh, sounds like no, tom lord algae did it because you just mentioned the same sort of thing. Well, he did, yeah, but not sort of like running the entire mix through like a flanger or anything. Right, there. right. I, I, But that sounds kind of intriguing. Now, when you did that, mm-hmm. did you use a mix knob on the plugin, do you remember? Or did you? No. It's a duplicate version of the mix. One with the flanger going through 100% and one without. And then... You take the channel strip knobs and you automate the volume ride in and out of each one. So as it starts with the flanging, I volume ride that channel strip out and I'm doing a similar volume ride in with the full mix without the flange. Just crossfade. Right. From two different channels. Right. All right. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, It works out pretty well. It's a very clean way of doing it. Obviously, it's a slow tedious process because you have to take your entire mix, figure out where you want to do this. You're duplicating the mix and then you put that into the mix with another mix, so to speak, between two stereo versions of your mix. But it's still a heck of a lot easier than dealing with two acetate. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, how do so, you even think about doing that? I mean, do you put your hand, I'm putting my hand at 10% on this one and only 0% on this one. I mean, how do you figure that out? That's right. crazy. I mean, Les Paul was like, 
Wow. Yeah. Or maybe he had a variac on it or something where he could change the well, speed. Yeah. I, somehow. What I think was why it, it sort of don't want to really say like fell to the wayside, but newer ways had to be invented to accomplish it because it was very unpredictable because you did it with tape tracks and everything. And it just wasn't easy to reproduce if you had to do it again. Right. So it was unpredictable to say the least. And speaking of unpredictable things, let's talk a little bit more about phasers because we've kind of been brushing over it at the moment. The idea of a phaser is very similar to a flanger, at least to you and I. It sounds very similar to me. Yeah. yeah they sound yeah. very similar. The yeah. idea where there's a difference between the phaser and the flanger is that with the phaser, you're copying the signal, you're sending it through a filter, and then instead of using a delay, you're using an LFO to create those differences in the sound that happens. Some people will say that the resulting process of using the LFO is going to sound more organic than the way the flange actually sounds, but that's more of a taste of the ear of the beholder situation, right? Yeah, to me, it, it's essentially two different ways of accomplishing a very similar task. Right. And the introduction there would be with the slight face variations, hence the name, right? Mm -hmm. And we get the sound that we get through a phaser. So very similar with a, I can't really say flanging going on because that wouldn't <laughs> write, but, but the, uh, the whooshing in, uh, of the audio. And it's, right. again, to me, very experimental sounding. And it, can, it sounds really psychedelic to me. And both of these, I, I know I said that at the top, both flanging and, and phasers to me are flower power type of stuff and all the old hippies and things. So that, that's what comes to mind. <laughs> When, uh, you know, and, and we probably blame Eddie Kramer for that, right? With, with Jimi Hendrix, possibly, because I can only imagine what somebody felt that hadn't heard that effect before. Right. And you're hearing it in stereo at that point. Especially if you just dropped a tab of acid. <laughs> right. Exactly. So I was like, whoa. Another thing before we close this out. Yeah. Probably one of the most famous early examples of phasing has to be Atomic Punk from Van Halen. Yeah, that interruption, I think. That's where the guitar playing faction comes in, right? Because we, we think of that and it's like, oh shit, Eddie uses it, so it, it's- Must be cool. cool. <laughs> right, so it, it's okay to use, yeah. Well, and so, the interesting uh, portion of that is with the Atomic Punk thing, the part that really gets you when he's using the phaser is the point in the riff where he's rubbing his- side of his hand on the strings with all that distortion. And you've got this yeah. sound going on. That's him rubbing the side of his hand on the strings with all that distortion and running it through the phaser. And it gets you that really wild vibe to the rhythm of his guitar riff. It's pretty cool. Yeah. He was a master of coming up with weird sounds obviously never mind his playing prowess obviously right he Just experimented kind of something very he certainly very did that he well. certainly did that with that let's move on to our friday finds chris what have you got today well i gave another look to a company that uh, i've praised for their amp sims mm -hmm. stl tones they have a new plug-in called Control Hub. Control Hub is a channel strip. 
mm-hmm. as you're mixing and how you, well, you have EQs and compressors and everything in there. And each one of these components, from what I can understand, can emulate a different type of EQ or compressor or whatever in that. But it has that channel strip workflow. Mm-hmm. So it's not entirely dissimilar from like the slate rack when you sort of have these, you, where you can mix and match. But I thought it sounded really, really cool. I watched Tom Lord Geology again, another name drop there to, to, to do. <laughs> he was doing a mix. Now he was working this on drums in this case. And it's another option for people that are perhaps curious to more of the, the console type of working where you have everything in one window. I thought it looked kind of intriguing, actually. That's my find for this Friday, the STL Tones Control Hub. Mm. And what about you? What have you found? I'm going with something that I assume is pronounced cashmere, and it's the Cashmere Reverb by W.A. And it's a new reverb that gives you a lot of control over how you can control the reverb. All in one window, much like what you're talking about with the control hub. Yeah. It has the ability to, the thing that makes it interesting, it has a volume manager. And this particular panel to the reverb allows you to shape the tail of the reverb in various ways with duckings and fade-ins and gating controls all within the reverb itself, which is kind of crazy. Usually you have to use external items to make this happen. Plus, it also has a tone manager, which allows you to eliminate all the harsh attacks that happen in reverb signals that come in through the reverb and allows you to enhance its tonality, hence the tone manager. It includes a special effects section to the reverb, which allows you to reverse the reverb or add octave harmonies or something to mess around with it so extra special effects on your reverb i also was thinking about there what it would be like to add a flanger or phaser to your reverb return i haven't done it so i can't say i might be pretty cool actually. it might be speaking of today it's not going to be natural sounding no, but it <laughs> it's going to be cool yeah <laughs> but it might be fun it also yeah. includes a six node eq panel as well and on top of it all, with a lot of plugins that are coming out now, you can resize the interface so you can see everything if you've got bad eyesight or you can squeeze Yay. it way down if you've got really amazing <laughs> eyesight. And so that is my pick for this week. Awesome. While we've got your attention, we ask that you go to InsideTheRecordingStudio.com and sign up for our mailing list. Doing so will get you weekly reminders about Tuesday tips when they come out, and we'll make sure you don't miss any future episodes of this incredible podcast. Send us an email at goldstar at G-O-L-D-S-T-A-R at InsideTheRecordingStudio.com with the phrase modulation and you'll get something cool back in your inbox. If you have a topic or suggestion for Chris and I to talk about in a future episode, contact us at the contact page, and we'll put it into consideration for a future episode. With that, I'll say, see you next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good one, Jody.